Please watch this. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for giving your attention to that short video on the Apostles' Creed. And in Mark 9, 24, kind of what we're introducing our sermons with, it says this, I believe, help my unbelief. And this was, this was a father coming to Jesus with his son, wanting, needing to be healed. And he told Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we need to help our unbelief. We need to know what we believe, and we need to plead with Christ. We need to plead with God to help lead us, help open our minds, help show us. Because as we'll get into later, we truly, truly cannot understand God as a whole at all without his revelation of himself to us. We're going to get more into that later. But today is week two of this new series where we're talking about knowing what we believe. And we're talking about the creed. And today we're going to focus on that statement, I believe, but not just I believe as last week. The children are dismissed to children's church, by the way. But we're going to be speaking about God the Father Almighty. God the Father Almighty. Now, as we looked last week to Acts 17, and we ended with that, we're going to look to that later on in today's service. But we're also going to look to many other scriptures today as we look to see this fact. We live today in a world full of cities of Athens. In a, in a world full of people like the city of Athens, which we talked about last week. We live in a world full of people worshiping false gods, worshiping false idols instead of the one true God. But we must know God in order to show God. We must know God in order to show God. And our God isn't just some distant, powerful being, but he is a personal, a personal father and an almighty Lord, an all-powerful God. He is both personal and he is all-powerful. There are two things we're going to be talking about today in relation to God the Father Almighty. But first, an intro to this series, and I want to just speak to you from my heart. I do, so I'm going to try to some, but I'm also going to try and stick to my notes because I'll tell you, I've been worried all week about this, this topic today. It's just such a huge topic. We could spend our entire lives studying the doctrine of God the Father Almighty and who he is what he is, what he's capable of doing in all of our lives, what he's capable of doing in all of the world, and we still would not have a full grasp on who he is. You know why? Because we are, we are imperfect people trying to study a perfect God. 
We are people who do, do not know all things as God knows all things, but we're trying to study that God who is all things, that God who is all-powerful, that God who is ever-present, that God who is all-knowing. So back to my notes. As I said, I don't want to get on too many rabbit trails, but I'm going to say what I said last week in saying that as we study the Apostles' Creed, no one should get overly excited, confused, upset, what it, whatever you want to say, because the Apostles' Creed is simply being used as a springboard to jump on and spring into Scripture and see what does God's Word say about these statements. For instance, today we're talking about God the Father Almighty, and we're using that from the Apostles' Creed, but we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today to see what does God's Word tell us about God the Father Almighty. Now, last week, we focused the entire service on just introducing this topic and the topic of I believe and what do we believe in. I can't focus a lot of time on this today. So I tell you, if you missed last week, check out our YouTube, check out our podcast, and listen to the sermon later. But let me tell you some of the highlights from last week. First of all, what we talked about last week was this. The Apostles' Creed can be a great tool to teach, to support, and to grow your faith, both within yourself and within the next generation of believers, of all the people around you. The Creed is a great tool to both summarize what the Bible teaches and to give a brief explanation of the basics of Christianity to whoever asks you, what do you believe? But we also acknowledge the Apostles' Creed does not state everything in the Bible. It does not state all things about Christianity and about what we believe. In fact, the Apostles' Creed does not contain some of the very crucial doctrines of what we believe. Some very important things such as the authority of Scripture, the depravity of man, the deity of Christ, and the means of salvation or justification by faith alone in Jesus Christ. But it does give us a starting point. So despite these things, despite the fact of how old the Apostles' Creed is, I do truly believe it is important for us to look to as we jump into Scripture. It gives us some great foundational thoughts on what we should believe, and although it does not contain all things we believe, I do believe that none of us should be believe anything less than what it says. All of us should believe more than what the creed summarizes. I remind you, we do not worship this creed. We worship God. We worship the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I do not preach the creed, but I preach what the creed leads us to, which is the Word of God. Last week I gave this illustration that another pastor used about the moon and the sun. And he shared this, this great illustration about people love to admire the moon for its beauty, for its colors, for its light. But when we come down and think about it, we realize that the moon itself does not have light. The moon reflects the light of the sun. The moon lets you know that the sun is there. And that's the same thing for the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed itself does not have the power or the authority, but it lets us know who does. It lets us know where to look. It leads us to the Word of God. And that's what we're doing today. The word creed comes from a Latin word, which simply means, I believe. So as we talk about the creed, what we're simply doing is talking about what do we believe. And we live in a world full of hypocrites, full of false people, 
full of people who don't really know what they believe. They just hop on the bandwagon and follow whatever thing they, they think is popular. We need to know what we believe. I'm going to share with you next week, and you guys are welcome to go to it. I believe it's called, the website is thestateoftheology.com, or you can Google it and find the website, stateoftheology.com or .org. But this website gives you statistics of, of surveyed evangelicals, people who claim to be born-again Christians, claim to believe in all these things. It gives you statistics when they were surveyed about how, what do they believe when it comes to God the Father? Do they believe He is all-powerful? What do they believe about the Word of God being inerrant, being perfect, being true, all true, being able to be used as evidence for our faith? What do they believe when it comes to the earth being created by God? This website is, is just baffling, though, because what you see is some very strong numbers of like 50% of evangel evangelicals actually believe these things to be true. We'll talk about that more next week. But as I said, back to the notes. Back to the notes. You should believe more than what the Apostles' Creed says. But you should not believe anything less than what the Apostles' Creed says. I'm going to skip forward in my sermon. I just want to read the Apostles' Creed to you once again before we start preaching on it, teaching on it. So let me move forward here. The Apostles' Creed says this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. I shared with you last week, there's going to be some weeks where we're studying this, this creed series over the next couple months. That it's going to be really hard, and it's really going to stretch me. It's really going to stretch us to open our mind to hear what God wants us to see. And already on this slide, you see some, the Holy Catholic Church. So before you already get, get knotted up and, and worried, what are we preaching in this Baptist church? I want you to know, we're not talking about the Catholic Church of Bloomer, Wisconsin here. We're not talking about the Catholic Church in society that denomination, what we're talking about is that next statement, the communion of saints, the universal church of Christ. And how we stand against each other so much, fighting against each other, and the world needs to see us come together. Now, before we'll save that for another week, but another hard one is going to be, he descended to hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. That's going to be a really fun one to preach on. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. But lastly, today what we're speaking of is, I believe in God the Father Almighty. What do we believe? I'll tell you, like I said earlier, this is a hard topic. Because, again, we could be teaching on God the Father Almighty for the rest of our lives. And still not fully grasp who he is. Because we're imperfect beings trying to study a perfect God, an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God, an ever-present God. All I can hope is this today. 
That as you leave today, you will know more about who God is, what God is, and you will have a desire, a fire within you to study who he is in your own life. So I believe in God the Father Almighty. As we look to this, I want, I want to first point out the, this. God the Father Almighty, as we're talking about that, is stating specifically which God we're talking about. Now, it might sound a little weird which God we're talking about, but if it was just said, I believe in God, that could speak about God the Son, God the Father, or God the Holy Spirit. Or, without further definition of this entire, this entire statement, this entire creed, without further looking to the Word of God at all, if, if somebody just walked up to you on the street and said, what do you believe in? And you just said, oh, I believe in God. Well, there's thousands of religions in this world today, and they all worship many different gods. They wouldn't know what God you're speaking of. So you need to specify, and that's what this is doing today. It's specifying, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Now, it's not saying that they don't believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but those are going to come later. We're starting off talking about God the Father Almighty. And our God isn't just some distant, powerful being like many of the religions believe, but we have a personal Father and an Almighty Lord. He is both personal and He is all-powerful. All-powerful. He is a trinity. Now with that, He is one God, but in three, three persons. One God, but that one God is comprised of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's another one of those hard topics to save for another day, as this might lead into next year, spending more of a, a month on the doctrine of God, a month on the doctrine of Christ, a month on the doctrine of salvation, and so on. Almost like an adult doctrine series, like what the teens go to. Um, but the God of the Bible, the one true God that we know and believe in, is a trinity. And he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is ever-present. Those are just three of the attributes of God. He is om omnipresent, he is omnipotent, and he is omniscient. Three big words for you, big words. He is a personal God and yet still an all-powerful God. But first we look to the fact that God the Father is a personal God. We're going to talk about that. He's a Father who cares for us like your own worldly fathers. But unlike your worldly fathers, who are often weak, they're often deficient, they're often let you down. And I think about that just this week as I went to a men's retreat yesterday at Arrowhead Bible Camp. Great retreat. And I, I wish all of you men were there because they had some powerful messages. But I actually had to leave at lunchtime because I was, I was convicted this week that I needed to be a better father to my kids. We were at the homecoming football game on Friday night, and one of my daughter's friends was talking to my wife. Um, the mom was talking to my wife. And she said, well, Lana, to Lana told me that, that her daughter and Lana should hang out sometime. And she said, well, just any, any Saturday should be fine because my dad just works on his sermon all day anyways. We don't do anything fun on Saturday. Now, first of all, I want to say I think we do do family stuff on the weekends. But it, it shows what kids see. And even me, all of us men, all of us dads, all of us moms, we let each other down. We let our kids down because we're imperfect. But our Father in heaven, he has no deficiencies. He has no weaknesses. And he is all-powerful. El Shaddai. But he's also a daddy. Abba. Father. And he cares for you. 
with his all-powerful, almighty self. He cares for you. So we're talking about those two things now today. All-powerfulness, but also his personalness. Genesis 17.1 says this, and there's going to be a lot of scriptures. It's going to be almost like a theology lesson for you today, almost like a, a college professor teaching you today, and I apologize, but I'll try and wrap up in the end with some personal application. Genesis 17.1 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. <clears throat> I am God Almighty. Now, first of all, we might notice 99 years old. Wow, that doesn't happen as often today, a little bit more than maybe 30 years ago. But people did live a lot longer back then. But second of all, we notice God appeared, the Lord appeared to Abram. And I don't know what that looked like, but I think already if the Lord was appearing before you, you'd probably be bowing down your face on the floor and you'd already have that, that thought in your head, Almighty Lord, wow. The power of his presence. He didn't even need to say anything, but here, right here, we see God does say something. He says, I am God Almighty. How do we speak to a God who's almighty? How do we even have that right to speak to the Lord God Almighty? And yet God's word tells us to do just this. And more than that, God's word tells us to speak to him as a father, as a father. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us how to pray to God the Father. Let me read these words to you. Matthew 6, verse 6 to 15, if you're taking notes, says this. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Look at that. This psalm not only talks about the personableness how personal your father, your God, wants to have a relationship with you that you can, you can speak to him as father, but also speaks of his almightiness and his attributes. Even here, he sees you in secret. He is all-knowing. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that there will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Again, we're talking about right there. His almightiness, but his personalness. He wants you to cry out to him. He wants you to talk to them. He wants to have that personal relationship. But again, he's also almighty. He already knows what you're going to ask of him. That doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to him. As fathers, we often know what our kids need. We often know what our kids are coming to us for, especially when they want money or something new bought for them. But we still want them to come to us. We still want them to talk to us. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. Praise him like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name above all other things, because you are almighty. You're almighty. Verse 10. I'm adding to scripture. I'm sorry. I'm paraphrasing. I'll put it that way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We have a lot right there. And Again, I'm trying to move through this whole topic in one day, so I can't dwell on this or meditate on this too much. 
But I wanted you to see that scripture is full of illustrations, both simple one-liners, like I am the God Almighty, to whole references, whole scripture references, which we can look to see that explains more. And we're going to see both that today. But this prayer is also not just about God the Father and his almighty power and his attributes, which we're going to get to in a minute. But it's also telling us how our Father, our personal Father, wants to hear our needs and provide for his children. So remember that statement. Our God is not just some distant, powerful being, but he is a personal Father and an almighty God. An almighty God. I've been in numerous doctrine books this week trying to decide what direction we're going to go. And all I can hope again is this. Look to your minds and look to think, what do you know about God? Because I really think if we truly knew just a little bit more about God, our society would not be abusing his name so much. His image would be ingrained in us as holy and powerful. I mentioned earlier, I was at the football game Friday night, and I walked down to check on my kids, and while I'm down there, I was just so saddened to hear how kids today are talking. And it's not, just, it's not just the kids, it's the adults too, as the adults are hearing it from the kids. But kids as young as four or five years old, oh my God, they'd say with exclamation marks over and over again. Every conversation I walked by, I heard that. Now, they used a lot of swear words too. And I'm telling you, I saw a lot of kids at that football game, and some of the kids I know, some of the kids I know, parents do go to church, whether it be this church or other churches in the community, and they, they were not blameless either. They were using swear words, or they were using the Lord's name in vain, or they're abusing that word as they said, oh my God. You see, saying that word, oh my God, is a powerful word that we can claim as Christians, as we know he is both personal and all-powerful and he cares for our needs. And if we're, if we're crying out, oh my God, it should be with a personalness as we cry out to him. Oh my God, teach me. Oh my God, save me. Oh my God, strengthen me. Oh my God, help me now. Oh my God, give me the words I need to be able to proclaim your glory to the nations, to evangelize to this community of unbelievers or the unchurched. The unchurched, which needs to hear of your name. Revelations 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, and Almighty. God is everlasting. He is eternal. But more than this, God goes beyond time, beyond anything we can comprehend, and he always has been, and he always will be. Moving on, I'm trying to skip around a little bit. God has revealed himself to us, and all we need to do is look to the Bible. Because we, we truly can't understand on our, on our own. We need to look to the Bible. We need to look to God's word to have a better understanding. Let me give you another illustration of our understanding of God. And I'm going to ask, go ahead and close your eyes. If you don't want to close your eyes, that's fine. But it will work better if you close your eyes. Close your eyes and picture an ice cream cone. That's easy, right? That's fun. You might even want an ice cream cone. Picture an ice cream cone. This is an illustration I found from R.C. Sproul. And he said, close your eyes and think in concrete images about a two-dip cone of your favorite ice cream. What flavor are you visualizing? 
visualize, visualize that cone. Is it strawberry ice cream? Is it vanilla? Is it chocolate? Maybe pistachio or some other nut flavor. Raspberry, Mackinac Island fudge. You can open your eyes again. I bet you had no problem imagining the ice cream cone and, and picturing the colors. Maybe even you went on top of two scoops and you pictured three or four. It's okay. Maybe you pictured some chocolate syrup on it, some fudge. That's okay too. Maybe your scoops are bigger than others. But here's the point. If I was to ask you again to close your eyes and picture in concrete images, an image of God the Father Almighty, what would you picture? What would you visualize? Would you be able to visualize anything at all? And as you think about that thought of visualizing God the Father, and some of you might already be doing it in your head, I want to know we're not visualizing God the Son. We're not visualizing the cross of Christ. We're not visualizing the Holy Spirit working in your life. We're visualizing God the Father. Now, some of you, maybe you can think of God the Father in terms of love. And you say, well, I'm just picturing images which, which display the love of God the Father. But that's really an, an abstract image just like God the Father. It's not a concrete image. It's an image based upon emotion, not something concrete to visualize. Now, maybe you visualize something like a childhood book. For I remember having a Bible as a kid, and it had... God the Father on the back, and he had a big, long, gray beard, and he was sitting upon a throne with a royal scepter. Maybe it's something like that, a sword, a, a sword. I don't know, but I do know this. I bet you had a lot more trouble visualizing God the Father Almighty than you did an ice cream cone. I bet if I asked you to picture the Green Bay Packers or the Vikings or the Brewers or the Bucks. You could visualize the different faces of the team. But I, if I ask you, what do you believe about God the Father? Could you explain it to somebody? Could you draw a picture of the attributes of God to somebody? And I know that's hard. That's hard. But we should be able to explain this to people. We should be able to explain it to people. Now, moving on, here's this. The God of Christianity is not just an ordinary God. He is the Father Almighty, the Father who can do anything, the Father who possesses all power, the one who created by the power of his word and who rules forever. Our God, the Father Almighty, is almighty, El Shaddai. It represents all of his attributes, that term El Shaddai. It represents all of his godly, perfect attributes ruled into one term, to try and help us just to understand a little bit deeper. God has been referred to by many names. And I've got books in my office of the many names of God. But today we're just focusing on God the Father Almighty. Those two words, Father and Almighty. Abba and El Shaddai. So Isaiah 64, 8 as we move on to talk about his Father and Almightiness says this. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are a potter. We are all the work of your hand. All the work of your hand. Let me say that once more, because I think there's a lot of application here for us. But now, O oh Lord, you are our father, and we are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. So if we think about our worldly fathers... And mothers, I know you do a lot of work here too. In fact, I would claim as a father you do a lot more. But fathers, mothers, if you think about your fathers, your mothers, 
They often bring you up in the way you should go. They teach you how to live life, right? From the very beginning of life, they teach you how to walk. They teach you how to eat. They drink, teach you how to, how to drink. They teach you how to eat nutritiously and good food. And as kids, they need that taught. Because I know my son would just eat chocolate all day long if you'd let him. But we need to teach people. We need to teach our kids how to be good, healthy kids. As you bring them up older, you teach them how to do chores. You teach them how to, how to take out the trash, how to do the laundry, how to mow the lawn. You hopefully teach your kids how to respect their elders, how to talk to an adult. You teach your sons how to speak to a lady, how to respect a lady, how to take care of a lady. You teach your daughters how to do the opposite and speak to a man as well. Maybe as they get older, you teach them how to mow the lawn. You teach them how to work on a car. You teach them how to fix things around the house. My point is simply this. God the Father Almighty also does these things. God the Father Almighty is a powerful, powerful, powerful Father, though. And he's like a potter that is always molding us into how to live. But the difference of our earthly fathers who are showing us how to mow the lawn how to speak to a lady, and all those things we talked about, is our Heavenly Father is not teaching us these worldly things about just simply how to be a, a more polite gentleman. His Word does say that too, but ultimately His Word, our Father, the potter, is trying to mold us into being more like Him, to be more righteous and more godly, more holy. We can't do that without Him. We can't be that without Him. We are inherently bad and sinful in human beings. We need God to teach us that. He's teaching us, he's molding us to also depend on him. So Isaiah 41.9 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If I was to start to summarize the names of God... I would say we can look to the names of God and we can see many ways that he cares for us, but he's also almighty. For instance, Psalm 121 tells us that the Lord is the God of all creation, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who does not slumber, and yet he is still our keeper and our protector. And he both gives life and protects that life and keeps that life. He is an almighty God listening to more scripture, looking to more scripture that you know, Psalm 23 describes God as a shepherd. Psalm 113 describes God as transcendent. More psalms describe him as a rock, a fortress, a refuge. Psalm 113, 4 to 5 says, The Lord is exalted above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high? These are just a few descriptions of God. Who is like our God? That is a powerful song. I, I was hearing even this morning on the radio, our Lord, our God is an awesome God. An awesome God. Nothing is like our God. He is before all things. He created all things. He knows all things. He is involved in all things. He will go beyond all things. He is more powerful than all things. Now, I hope I'm not losing you when the last... The last um, the final stretch. We're going to run the plane here. As I talk about God's attributes, here's a few more. God is love. God is mercy. He is graceful. 1 John 4, 8, one for that. God is holy. 
1 Peter 1.15. God and his character is unchanging. James 1.17. God is sovereign. Ephesians 1.11. God is not surprised by anything, but is working out his will for all of creation. Romans 8.28 and Isaiah 46.9-11. God is truth. God is eternal. The list of his attributes continue, and we can never fully comprehend them, and we don't have time today to talk about all that we do understand. But what we should see is this. Again, God is both personal and God is all-powerful. And I believe in God the Father Almighty, and I hope you do too. But I hope you believe further than just these, these impersonal terms. I hope you believe he's personal and he's all-powerful. He's not just some distant being. He cares about you. He cares for you. And like a potter molding that clay, he wants to mold you into who you should be. He wants to mold you more to be like him. More to be more righteous and more holy. And more to live by his righteous ways which lead to salvation and hope. And less according to the ways of this world and despair. In a culture where people have such broken families, it's hard for them to understand the term of God being a father. I've heard people say that I've talked about God the Father and said, well, well, I can't think of God being a father because I had such a terrible dad growing up. Let me give you this, Psalm 103, 8 to 13. This is one of those longer ones. It, it gives a great illustration of God's character and has a good father. He loves his children. It says this in Psalm 103, 8 to 13. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. In Acts 17, 24 to 28, the passage we looked to last week, Paul expounded upon the good heart of God in his making of the world for the purpose of us to have a close relationship with him and to glorify him with our life. So before I wrap up, I do want to read that to you as well. I'm ending with, with three big scriptures to help you to focus on this week. In, in Acts 17, 22, it says this again. Paul said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. This is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if needed anything. He needed anything. Rather than he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of you, your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We talked briefly about this last week and we said, are we ignorant of what we worship? 
of what we believe. The people of Athens were very religious. They had an altar to every single god, and even an altar to the unknown god. They worshipped many things, but they were failing to worship the one god that mattered. The one god that was true. We need to know this god. It doesn't matter how much you know the Green Bay Packers and all their stats. It doesn't matter how much you know anything else of this world. I love knowing how to fix my own car when I can, but that fails me sometimes. I have to pay a shop like I did this week. It doesn't matter how much we know of this world. It will fail us. It will let us down. But the one thing that won't let us down is God the Father Almighty. And we need to know more about him so that we can tell the world about him. Our world is full of cities and people like the city of Athens who worship many things that don't matter. How are we going to tell them what truly does matter? We need to believe in God the Father Almighty in a way that transcends our lives and awakens our neighbors. And secondly, we need to drop the false gods of our life. Make room and surrender and allow the God, the Father Almighty, to care for you, to rule your life for all of eternity. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. I said there was one more larger scripture I wanted to read to you. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look to your heavenly Father. The Lord God Almighty is a personal God and an all-powerful Lord, and treat him as such. Know what you believe, and let the people around you see what you believe. Don't hide him any longer. Don't act like our Father God Almighty is just some simple, ordinary God. If somebody asks you what you believe, tell them about the personal, all-powerful God that you know and hold true to be the creator of all things and the giver of hope the giver of life, the giver of his son, Jesus Christ. As we close, let's stand and read the words to the Apostles' Creed together. And we'll close with this and move to our Sunday school classes. Uh, just a quick reminder, we do have that Fall Fest meeting out in the fireside room for those who have been asked to lead or anybody that's interested in helping, please go to that. But again, let's focus on this as we end. And on the count of three, let's read this together. One, two, three. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and of life everlasting.
Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're not closing in song today. We're closing with those thoughts of what do you believe in? We need to know what we believe. Please bow your heads and let's close as we end. Lord, we thank you for your words in Scripture. We look to this creed, but we know that it doesn't have the power, but what it represents does. And we look to your word, your holy word, to tell us who you are. You have revealed in your word, based off your sovereign will, for us to know you. You revealed to us what we could not understand on our own. Lord, we are inherently evil, sinful creatures. And you forgive us, and you help us, and you guide us. You give us wisdom, and you give us all we need. Lord, help us to look to you this week as not just a personal God, but an almighty God. I think all of, us, all of us struggle with one of those things. Maybe we see God as a personal father, but we don't respect him as an almighty God, and we don't respect his name. Maybe we don't know enough about you, Lord, to do that. And we need to be convicted this week to look more into what do we believe as the Lord Father, the Lord God Almighty, God the Father Almighty. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we see you as such a holy, powerful, almighty God that we fail to see you as a personal father who cares to hear our needs and to help us too. May we be convicted of that and cry out to you today. Lord, may we give you everything, surrender all, drop it all at your feet and recognize your power, your all-powerful being and your personableness that desire relationship with us. And may we glorify you in all things. May we continue to be edified and grow in the knowledge of you. And may the lost be found. And it's in your holy and powerful name and all we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you.